today, as we begin, I would like you to take with me a mental inventory of your junk drawer. Saturday night, someone yelled out, you mean just one? So, so whichever junk drawer you want um, to take a mental inventory of that drawer, I would bet that in, that in your junk drawer or in one of your junk drawers, as the case may be, you have super glue, right? And in fact, it may have like bolts and other things glued to it, right? Like everything comes out if you pull the super glue out. Or, like, you only needed the super glue one time for, like, your kid's science project or your glasses, and then you put it back in, and it dripped out onto the lid, and now the lid is glued tightly to the super glue so that you can never use it again, and every time you need super glue, you buy a new tube of it. That's what usually happens to me. Super glue is a thing. Um, did you know you probably did? that if you Google superglue, one of the things you'll find is a book called The Complete Guide to Using Superglue for Cuts. How about that? And if you've, been, if you've been in an emergency room lately and cut yourself, you'll know that it, that's a thing. My daughter's a nurse, and so I texted her earlier this week and said, um, hey, Ellie, tell me about the superglue they use to, to glue cuts. And her, she texted right back and said, who cut themselves? I said, no, it's a ser- I need it for a sermon illustration. And so we chatted about that, and she said, basically, it's super glue. Super glue for cuts. Crazy glue is another name spelled with a K because it's, I don't know, cooler that way. C- crazy glue. Remember, some of us are old enough to remember the old commercial for crazy glue. You remember that? The guy who put a, like, you know, a, a pin-sized dot of crazy glue on his uh, construction helmet, pulled himself up to a girder, you know, hung there with his hands for 30 seconds and let, gl- let go, and it held, right? Sure. Crazy glue. Crazy glue. Gorilla glue now, right? That's what it is now. Everything's about gorilla glue. Um, and so the father and the son, you know, the son knocks the front end off of his car, and the dad and the son are there trying to figure out how they're going to fix it. And a gorilla comes out of nowhere and hands them a tube of gorilla glue. And a couple, a couple strips of gorilla glue on the front bumper of the car, they're good to go. Sure. Gorilla glue. Amazing E6000. That's an adhesive, you know that? Not E6000. Amazing E6000. That's actually how it's marketed. Amazing E6000. That's a thing. That's an adhesive. Um, liquid nails. There's a great one. Who, need na- who needs nails when you can have liquid nails? Liquid nails. Um, p- plenty, of, plenty of adhesives that come under the general descriptor of super glue. I feel like when I was a kid, we had Elmer's. And it didn't work for anything, but you could eat it, right? I can tell you this if you've you've been on the Chippewa campus for our friends in Moon recently, for those of us who are here today, the various contractors on site now working on the interior of this building are not 
gluing together the interior of this building. No one came to the powers that be on the building team and said, hey, listen, we have an, an out-of-the-box way to do the interior of the building. We're going to glue everything together. That is not a thing in construction. That's a thing for like gingerbread houses. But right now, if you walk through the new part of our construction, you will see a lot of screws that were drilled in with power tools to assemble the framing and the drywall to hold together the interior of this building. Man, love, the real thing, love, is like this. Love drills down deep. This is what the end of 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says. It's not just for weddings anymore. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Friend, there is a, there is a love in the culture, in the world, that's like glue, okay? And it makes promises. And it's a love that sticks on some surfaces for a while, but, man, it's, it's just glue. And over time, it shows the fact that it's really kind of a surface application. There's a love like that in our culture. You can find it a lot of places. But there is also a love for, for and in the Christian that drills down deep. It too makes promises, but it doesn't just stick on the surface for a while. It's not just glue. And like literally thousands of screws that you will see in drywall in our building on the Chippewa campus, it builds the house and it holds everything together. It's a love that drills down deep. I want us to consider from 1 John, three features of a love that drills down deep. Turn with me, 1 John 3. There's Bibles provided for you in the seats, in your venues, on the version. There's an app there you can find uh, the, the, the passage, the Scripture, um, some notes there on that app. Also in your worship program, there's some notes. 1 John chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 11 through 24. I want to read this text to get a sense of the whole of it. A love, the real thing that drills down deep. 1 John 3, 11. Hope you're with me. Follow along. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And Why did he murder him? because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. 
and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in Him and He in them. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. The Word of God, the Word of God that tells us a lot about a love that drills down deep. It's not just on the surface. It doesn't just stick for a while. It builds the house and holds it together. A love that drills down deep. Three features of this love as spelled out in this text. Number one is this, the message of love. You see that there? Look at, fifth, look at 11. Verse 11, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. What's the message? That we should love one another. Pretty simple. What is the message? The message is this, love one another. John looks to those to whom he is writing and says, love each other. I think if you've been here for the series at all, you've heard that a lot. And today we are gonna, we're going to call out and, and highlight, draw a bright line under some repeated words. Repeated words are important words in Scripture. Love one another. We've heard that in this book. John said, here's the message of love that drills down deep. Love each other. Love one another. Look at verse 11. This is a message that you've heard from the beginning. From the beginning. Um, beginning's an important word. It's used seven times across the book of 1 John. Do you know that? Um, John 1.1, 1, 1, another book that John wrote. In the beginning was the word, speaking of Jesus. And a verse you may be familiar with, Genesis 1.1. 1, 1, In the Beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Beginning, it's an important word. It's, it's good to be in at the beginning, isn't it? This week I was listening to, to sports radio, and they were having an argument, Pittsburgh sports radio, they're having an argument about the, the five greatest pirates of all times. Oh. I mean, that conversation is probably still going on, right? Because you have those people that are like, they're, they're younger and they're, they're kind of new to the Pittsburgh pirates, and then some guy calls in and he's like, well... I remember seeing Stargell play at Three Rivers. Or I was there when Clemente played at Forbes. Right? Man, I was there. I saw Mazeroski. On and on. So it created some uh, good dialogue on sports radio. Why? Well, because there's something about being in at the beginning. Beginning's an important word. It's an important concept in John's writings. In fact, did you know that in the book of John, in John chapter 15, John chapter 15, that word is very much used. In the beginning. In the beginning. It's an important word. John says, in the beginning, this is the message. Love one another. All right, several observations about the message to love one another. First, there's a contrast. There's a contrast to that message. So John, John is telling us, Pathway friends here, if you know Jesus, 
pathway, friends, if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, John is telling us this, love each other. The first thing, the first thing he does, the first observation he makes is a contrast to that message. Um, verse 11 again. This is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Look at, 12, well, look at the first statement in 12. We should not be like Cain. <laughs> well, that escalated quickly. How many, how many of you were thinking this morning, I should, I should be less like Cain? And maybe you're like, I don't even know who Cain is, Matt. Well, if you read a little bit there, Cain's a guy who killed his brother. Wow. Don't be like Cain. I'm guessing that's not a verse you're going to see on a faux piece of barn wood at Hobby Lobby. This house is full of love. We're not like Cain. That's not a thing. No one's hanging that in their house next to Jeremiah 29, 11. Can I, can I poke on that a little bit? Because here's something. I think a lot of us are really good at kind of digging around the Bible for a verse that we like, that makes us feel good. And we find a little scripture isolated from a lot of other scriptures and say, oh man, that just makes me, I'm, I'm going to burn that into a piece of wood and hang it over my mantle. It just makes me feel so good. John doesn't make us feel so good, does he? In the contrast to loving one another. He says, here's what's in your heart, Cain stuff. One writer says, the hater, the hater and the killer have the same motivation. So, so James, James goes right to a story in the Bible that maybe you left in childhood, that maybe I haven't thought about for a long time. And he says, uh, here's the message of love, and by contrast, don't be like Cain. Tim Keller writes, the Bible has answers, but if we really, listen, if we really let the Bible speak, we may find that God will show us that we are not even asking the right questions. Sometimes we go to the Bible and say, well, I need a verse that just makes me feel good for this moment. And sometimes, as it were, the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, wants to say, don't be like Cain. There's hatred in your heart. And you're ignoring that to go to Jeremiah 29, 11, because it makes you feel good. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans. For whatever was written in former days, for whatever was written in formal days, former days, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Um, pay attention to the Bible. It will give us needed comfort, but friends, it will also give us needed warning. How well do you know all that was written for our instruction? Christian friend, if we think we know our Bible, let me caution us. The Bible is not Google. It is not Wikipedia. It is not Siri. It is not Alexa. There at our service with pithy quotes or interesting little bits of information. It has an arc. It tells a big, comprehensive, significant story with impacts everywhere for your life. And so sometimes God says this, Christians, we should love each other. Don't be like Cain. He hated his brother so much that he killed him. And there is the same motivation in our hearts potentially 
So man, John reaches way back to find this contrast into a story that we're like, that makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable too. But I think John's trying to tell us something. Man, it's a big Bible, big Bible. So there's a contrast to the message, very serious contrast. Don't be like, cha- don't be like Cain. There's also a challenge to the message to love one another. A challenge to the message, John tells us, Here's the message you've heard from the beginning, love each other. Well, if we love each other the way we should, brothers and sisters in Christ, look what John says in 13, don't be surprised that the world hates you. Don't be surprised that the world hates you. That's an interesting statement. I was thinking about why the world might hate me. Because I got to tell you, I think James, I think John said, don't be surprised. I think, I think we feel like I probably would be surprised if, if the world hated me. Which probably says a lot about our love, doesn't it? Here, Christian, here's, here's why the world hates us. Sometimes we're jerks, right? Sometimes as a Christian, I'm just a jerk. And I lock in on some political thing. Or I make, I make a mountain out of a molehill with an issue in my life and say, I'm standing on this because I don't care what people think. And that, that makes people hate me. So what? Well, Matt, you're just being a jerk. So, so sometimes it's easy to read John when he says, don't be surprised that the world hates you. We kind of self-assure ourselves, well, yeah, the thing the world hates me for is a good thing. When it's really not, I'm just being a jerk. Or maybe, maybe your expression of love, my expression of love as a follower of Christ is just so shallow. It's so much like glue that there's no substance to it, that it doesn't drill down deep. That man, your love looks like the garden variety of love that's everywhere in the world that just kind of is like jello. Love, oh, makes me, gives me chills, makes me feel so warm. Man, that love is anywhere. It stands for nothing. John says, John says, here's the message from the beginning, love each other, and that is, a, that is a kind of love that drills down deep and will create tension in some that will produce hatred. Don't be surprised by that. But that's a kind of love that's a lot different than love that we see around us. I thought about a couple things. The kind of love John is talking about that drills down deep that he's been talking about all throughout the book is a love that makes demands. It's a love that says you should, you should not, you must. It's a love that forgives. It's a love that overlooks. It's a love that deals with things. It's a love that sacrifices. It's a love that surrenders. It's a love that fights. Man, that's love that drills down deep. That's the kind of love John's been talking about throughout this book. And he says, that'll get you hated. People are like, man, your, your love is, there's tension in that love. It's, it drills down deep. It's not just like the love that we see in the culture that's kind of like glue and it sticks for a while and then the feeling goes away. John says, listen, the, the love for one another that drills down deep, be hated for that. Christian love that drills down deep will be challenged. So the last thing then, so the contrast to the message of love, the challenge, what are the consequences? Well, basically this, whether or not 
friend in Christ, listen, whether or not, whether or not we love one another well tells us where we are abiding. That's what John says. It tells us where we are abiding. In verses 14 and 15, there's a lot of brother language, brother and sister language. He just got talking, he just got done talking about a brother who killed his brother and says, we should love our brothers and not hate them. And if we do, and again, the language is brothers and sisters, and if we do, notice, look at the end of verse 14. Whoever does not love abides in what? Death. Here's the deal. Here's, here's something love will tell me about your claim to be a follower of Jesus. If you love well, it tells me you abide in life. If you harbor hatred, it tells me you abide in death. That's, 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 what, that's what's at stake. That's the risk we run in hatred. Christian friend, that's the examination we make of our heart. If we're harboring hatred, man, how deeply does that go? Because it's serious business not to love one another. John says, don't be like Cain. John said, here's what's at stake. If, if you hate, you abide in death. Abide. How important is that word, abide? Very important. It's, it's the word I found in 1 John the most times. It occurs 16 times across the book of 1 John. I mentioned John 15 earlier. In John 15, in the words of Jesus, the word abide is used 10 times in about six verses. Abide. It means to remain. If we love, it tells us where we settle in. And if we love well, brothers and sisters, it tells us that we are abiding in Christ. We are abiding in life. If we are full of hatred, and that's all that is manifested in our life, man, it is time for a gut check if we call ourselves a Christian. Because John says, haters of their brothers and sisters like Cain abide in death. Abide. Where do you abide this morning? Are you a nosy neighbor? I'm a nosy neighbor. I know what all my neighbors are doing. It's just how I am. Like, wow, this truck hasn't moved for two days. Wow, their kids are leaving the house early. Man, their trash bin's been out for a long time. Wow, they're throwing that away? I might take that. I mean, I know what's going on in the neighborhood. A couple years ago, there was a house in our neighborhood, and Jolyn and I both wondered, does anyone live there? For like two years, there was a mattress laying in the front yard. Who does that, right? I mean, not two years, but a long time. Like nobody, there's the mattress. The grass would grow, grow, grow. Garbage things never moved. Garage door never went up. I never saw a car. I'm, t I'm a nosy neighbor, I'm telling you. Then every now and then the grass would be cut. I'd be like, oh, someone does live there. Listen, you drive by my house, you know people live there. I mean, sometimes it's a mess. Snow's usually shoveled. Cars are in and out. Grass is cut. The, the message from the beginning is this, love one another. The consequences, what's at stake in that statement is this. It tells, it tells the world where you abide. It tells, it tells the world if, as it were, if, if anything is at home in your life in Christ. 
If love is demonstrated the way it should be, it says this to the world about you. I live here in love. I, I abide in Christ. There is something about me that says love. And if that's not present, John says the hate, the hater abides in death. So that's the consequence of the message of love. The message from the beginning, love one another, it drills down deep. It is the evidence that our life abides, remains in Christ. Secondly, not just the message of love, there's a pattern to that message. This is basically 16 through 19. So, okay, John, here's the message from the beginning. Love one another. Don't be like Cain. Well, Cain, that's pretty heavy. I know. But listen, haters, those who hate abide in death. So it's serious, John says. So then we say what? Okay, John, what's this look like in my life, John? 16 through 19. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. Oh, man, everybody breathe a sigh of relief. Jesus just showed up. How good is that, right? Because up to this point, it's been a lecture. I'm telling you, you need to love better. How many are like, I know. I blew it with my kids coming out the, coming out the door this morning. I yelled at them the whole way to church in the car. My wife and I are like this right now. I punched my roommate last night. I know. I should love better. So to this point, it's been a lecture, right? I'm just telling you what you know you should do. I'm, making, I'm heaping guilt on you. Don't be like Cain. And all of a sudden, to explain the message of love, John says there's a pattern. The pattern begins with this. The example, the answer, the hope. Jesus. Every, someone has said every sermon could be this. Every sermon is telling you what you should do, a good sermon, telling you what you should do, but that you can't do, but Jesus did so you can. That's every good sermon. It tells you what you should do. I just told you that. I just told us that. We should love better. But you can't, right? Grit your teeth and go out of here like, I'm going to love my kids so well. No, you're not. You're going to yell at them again, wrongly. Can't do it. But Jesus did. John said, here's the pattern. It starts with the one who loved in a way you could never love. Isn't that good? Isn't that, isn't that a relief? Oh, I'm so glad Jesus shows up. John said, it starts with, it starts with, oh, by the way, it starts with the one who laid down his life for us. He's the example. More than the example, he's our substitute. He's the one who loved in a way we never could. And so he helps me to love, though imperfectly, he helps me to love. Okay, Jesus, you did all for me. I can do this. Man, friend here, I don't know what your love, I don't know what the pattern is for your love, what the example is for your love, but in Jesus it is everything. Pathway believes that, that Christ is all. And Christian friend, your, your love, my love, better be real Jesus-y. Real Jesus-y. It's distinctive. There's a, lot, there's a lot of brands of love out there. But, but John says this. John says, the message from the beginning is to love one another. And 
the, the pattern of that begins in the love of Christ. And so my love should look and smell and taste a lot like Jesus. Because that's love that drills down deep. Jesus, in the pattern of love, Jesus is the example. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. Okay, Jesus, thank you. I can do this. I can be a better dad. I can be a better husband, a better roommate, a better spouse, a better wife, a better coworker, a better boss, more loving. Look what Jesus did. I can do this. Oh, man, Jesus, thank you for showing up. So the pattern is, begins with the example, which is Jesus, and it moves to the action. This is our part. He laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. That brother language again. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need, yet closes his or her heart against them, how does God's love abide in him? So the, the example is Jesus, but the, the action and by the way, this sounds a lot like James 2, 14 to 17. You can write that down. John is sounding a lot like James here. The action is this. I see the example of Jesus. I see what he has done for me, loved in a way that I couldn't love. And as a result, it changes my actions. And I don't just love with words. I love with deeds. I, as it were, I know the supplier and I have the supplies of love. And so it starts within and it moves without and would to God that pathway would be a place where as those of us who call this church home and call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ our love for one another begins inside and spreads out to the world to where we say hey our great example Jesus Christ loved us in a way we could have never loved and so we know the supplier we have the supply of love and here it comes to or car car Kenya to the Dominican Republic, to that person you work with who is impossible to love. The pattern of love, the pattern to love one another begins in the person and work of Jesus and then it moves through our actions, through our deeds. Any food service people here? That's a tough job. Like fast food. Maybe you feel like, man, I put in my time in fast food. I did. Three, three years, Pizza Hut, man. I'm an alumnus. Sometimes when I go back in the restaurant, I'm like, I'd love to get behind that counter. I know I could do it again. I still got it. It's like riding a bike making those pizzas. My roommate, Pat McGoldrick, and I, we worked at Pizza Hut in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania when I was in college. We were two of the most well-liked guys in the dorm because when you work at fast food you have access to fast food for free and so it got to the point where every Friday night when we would close there would be like tons of mistakes made and pizzas left over and guess who got to take that home oh yeah and so it probably took like a week for people to realize, hey, in Fry and McGoldrick's room, there is as much pizza as you can eat for free after midnight on Friday night. I mean, everybody on campus was there, right? I mean, free food in college is the holy grail. They knew where to come. I mean, guys I didn't even like, like, I don't even like you, man. You're eating my free pizza. 
Here's the beautiful thing. Pat and I, we knew the supplier. <laughs> we had keys to Pizza Hut. And so we had the supplies. You follow Jesus? Do you, do you, do you say you live by his example? Then you have and know the supply of love to love one another. You have that in Jesus, the greatest, the greatest example of love ever, anywhere. Biggest, best, Jesus. You know the supplier if you're a child of his. So John says, from that example, the pattern is action. Stop talking, start doing. Start loving. That's the pattern. One writer says it can be described as deeds that actively transform the situation. Because that's what Jesus did for us. He, he actively transformed my situation. I was lost in my sin. And Jesus Christ, sinless God-man, went to the cross and died for me. And said, Matt, I'm going to actively transform your situation. Because you can't. That's the example of love we have. We know the supplier. We got the supplies. The message is this. Love one another. It's a love that starts in, goes out. The Apostle Paul said it like this in Ephesians 5.2. Listen to this. Tell me if this isn't a great summation of what John's saying. Ephesians 5.2. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave up himself for us. That's what John says. Christ died for us so that we can do for others. There is no greater pattern for love, love that drills down deep. Last thing is this, the foundation of love. This is basically the rest of the text, 20 through 24, the foundation of love. So this, John says, here's the message, love one another. Here's the pattern, Jesus loved you in a way you could never, ne never love. And because of that, you can begin, even though imperfectly, to love others. So do it. Don't just talk it. Do it. That's the pattern. Here's the beautiful thing. The found, what's the foundation of that when we fail? Because even though, even though we know the great example of Jesus, we know we will love imperfectly, right? Starting today, we've talked about that. We will love imperfectly. Listen, here's the question. Who is faithful when we fail? Right? Because, man, it's, love is still going to be up and down. And it's going to be taking my eyes off Christ and then putting my eyes back on Christ. And dealing with that person that's just like, Matt, if you knew the circumstances, love is so hard here. I know. So what, what's the foundation when we fail? When we fail, who is still faithful? Look what John says beginning in 20. For whenever our hearts condemn us, Matt, you're not loving like you should. Whenever our hearts condemn us, look at this. God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. What an amazing statement. Who is faithful when you fail? There's a couple options. Your conscience, let your conscience be your guide. You ever heard that? Follow your heart. Don't do that. Who's faithful when you fail? Who can you trust? John says, 
John says God is greater. There's a greater greatness in God. He is greater than our heart. Really, the word there is conscience. He's greater than our conscience. And when our conscience condemns us, sometimes we have to go to God and say, I can only trust you. Who do you trust? This past week, my colleague here, Tim Kolodje, put something out on social media that several of us interacted with. He, he said this, sometimes all a child needs to hear is the same thing from a different person. Isn't that true? Man, if you're a parent, that is so true. Sometimes all a child needs to hear is the same thing from a different person. Some of you college students here, you, you know, your, your parents, you're, you're taught, you were tired of hearing your parents tell you things. And so you go home on break and you tell your mom and dad this eloquent story about some truth that some really smart professor told you. And you're like, mom and dad, she's so intelligent. She said this to me. And your mom and dad are like, I've been telling you that for 15 years. They're just tired of hearing it from you, mom, dad, right? And so it took this professor. They're just tired of hearing it. And sometimes, sometimes as kids, we just don't trust the same voices, right? Like, my kids are musicians. I am not a musician. I can sing to get by. But, you know, there were times when my son would play guitar and he would come home from, you know, a concert or worship or whatever, and I'd be like, man, son, when you did that, you know, with the hand and this and the sound it made, and that was really great. And he's like, actually, it wasn't. I messed up there. That was this. Oh, <laughs> Okay, I, he can't trust me all the, I have no idea what goes on with a guitar. Like I could hold one, right? But when the fingers start to contort, I don't understand how. And so it takes a musician to say to my son, that was really bad, I know. Or that was really good, I know. Sometimes it's an issue of trust, that's okay. When you fail to love the way you should, who do you trust? Conscience? A Facebook post that says, you can do it with a plant growing up through concrete? God, look what John says. God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. Man. Here's, here's who you can trust when you fail. Here's who you can trust to be faithful. 100%. He will be 100% honest with you. God. His greatness to know you is greater than any other source you can trust. Man. If only I could get a hold of that, right? You know what I thought this week when I meditated on that was like, I don't know God like that. I never go to God and say, God, speak to my heart that way. Confirm in me. God, you're greater than my heart. I just, I don't go to God like that enough. I haven't, I haven't cultivated that kind of relationship with Him. And John says, the foundation of love, even in our failure, is the faithfulness of God. He's... He's greater than the, the greatness of your conscience. He's the greatest. He knows everything. And sometimes when our hearts condemn us, God wants to be there to say, no, I know you. I'm honest with you. 
I am for you. Man, where are we looking for that kind of foundation? The late great R.C. Sproul wrote this, to know God knows everything about me and yet loves me is indeed my ultimate consolation. <laughs> Confidence in a greater greatness, that's the foundation of love. And then, Christian friend, if we could, if we could get there, if we can... If we can cultivate that kind of confidence in God, what does that produce? Well, it produces believing and abiding. We're back to where we started. Notice, notice the end of the text. Once, once John sets that benchmark, God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. Look what flows out of that. Confidence in God in 21. Ability to keep His commandments. We're abiding in Him. The biggest commandment is what? Believe in Jesus Hey, the Trinity's about to show up, so get ready. We have confidence in God. We believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. We keep His commandments. We, here's abiding again. We're abiding in Him by the, what, at the end of 24, by the Spirit whom He has given us. So this beautiful Trinitarian picture of confidence in God, belief in the Son of God, the work of the Spirit of God. <laughs> that is rich. John says the foundation of love is this. It is confidence in God who knows everything. And He's greater than your heart. And listen, if your confidence is in God, it will manifest itself in a belief in the Son of God and in the work of the Spirit of God. What is your foundation? Love that drills down deep is settled on the foundation of our confidence God in God, our faith in Christ, our work and the work of the Spirit. What's the evidence of that? Well, the evidence is that I'm abiding, that my life reflects that, that when my conscience wrongly condemns me, the God who is greater than all and knows everything speaks confirmation in my heart. When I fail, He is faithful. When I need to be challenged, He's honest with me. How do you get that? How do you cultivate that? Hey, listen, it's not magic. It's deeper in the Word. It's deeper in prayer. It's connected to the community of saints. Are those things real in your life? Believing and abiding. The foundation of love, great confidence in God. There is a love that sticks like glue. It's on the surface for a while, but it peels away. What's your, what's your love built on this morning? Because if, if you're here and your love is just in some person or for some person or for some, for some cause or just some surface thing, I'm here to tell you this, there is a love that drills down deep. And the pattern of that love is the example of Jesus Christ who died for you. That is the greatest love you can know. And if you're here and you don't know the love of Christ, please reach out to us and let us talk to you about that. Christian friend, are you loving with a love that drills down deep, the greatest of these is love, the real thing. Here's the message from the beginning. Love each other. Sure, we will love imperfectly, but look to Jesus. He laid down His life for us. Love each other. Not in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Love each other with confidence in the assurance that God is greater than our hearts. May we behave 
in a way that demonstrates what we believe. May our love drill down deep. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we we have known, those of us who call you our Father, we have known a love from the person of Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. And he is the great example of our love. More than the great example, he is the one who loved us in a way that we could never earn or love. And so God, I pray that first and foremost this morning, Christ would be lifted high. I pray if there's one here that does not know your son Jesus, that their hearts would be drawn to the truth of what he has accomplished for them on the cross. Lord, for those of us who are sons and daughters of God, we are are convicted by this because we know we don't love as we ought to and we know what's at stake. So God, you're greater than our hearts. You know everything. Convict us where we need to be convicted and confirm in us where that needs to be done and help us to love one another with a love that drills down deep. We thank you that we have been loved by that way by Jesus. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen.